0: So, Amy, you're a mom and you I am are, a mom. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. And you are married to Gabe the Great, Mexican <laughs> Colombian American, and you have these Corexican Colombian kids. And so, you know, what's what's it like to have all this kind of mashy mixy culture, ethnicity in your house?
1: Well, you know, to be honest, we didn't really uh, think—obviously, we thought that we knew that there would be a great amount of mixing. But really, we thought it would be Korean, Colombian, and Mexican. turns out it's actually not that simple, but (laughs) we got super curious, and so we spit into these little tubes and sent them off to California and got our 23andMe's done. Oh, oh, that's awesome.
0: So can you tell me about the results of them? Like, were you, was there anything surprising? So here you are, you're like, I'm Korean American. I am, I have two Korean parents.
1: What did you learn? Well, it turns out that I am mostly Korean, which it, you know, which which one would expect. Um, yes. Yeah, so I'm 60% Korean and I am 20% Japanese. Whoa, what? I know. I know. 20% Japanese and then 14% Chinese. And then I got a little Mongol and some other stuff going on in there. But, like, I think the, the I mean, the wildest thing in looking at those results is that culturally, I mean, I'm a Korean kid. Korean-American right. kid, as we have previously discussed. But, you know, like, being Korean means having strong feelings about, say, things like Japanese occupation of Korea mm. or Japanese... Koreans in concentration camps uh, under Japanese rule. Like my father grew up in North Korea and, um, you know, as a young child was in school during the occupation. So he had to learn like the Japanese national anthem. There is no part of me before getting these results that would have identified even a little bit as a Japanese person. So it's been a little confusing being like, okay, so does this what does this mean or does it mean anything? Because how do our genetics actually inform right
0: and like what is alejo now is he a, is he a, a little japanese too
1: well yeah i think he it turns out so yes my son is a little bit japanese and um gabriel did his 23 and me as well and we found out some crazy stuff about him so you know we thought like, most of it was unsurprising. The same way that I'm kind of 60% Korean, he was basically 60% Spaniard from the Iberian Peninsula. Not that surprising, right? But then there's also, like, 15% West African. Uh, what? I, guess. I know. You know, there's a slave trade. Oh, there's that. Oh, and thanks. And then the Spaniards went across the ocean.
0: Okay, and cool. And
1: then then there was a lot of um, uh, Native American um, so he has a lot of Indio blood from his the Mexican side of his family. Um, and it turns out that the Chinese had a pretty big presence in South America also because he's also kind of Chinese. What? So, you know, I know. This is amazing.
0: I mean, I think it's so interesting to think about identity and culture and ethnicity, So, which obviously I think it's interesting. This is what we, we love to talk about. <laughs> this is what this is all about. But I think this idea of... Who you understand yourself to be, how that shifts over time, being rooted in something culturally and then finding out genetically that you have a totally different makeup than you thought or that then is reflected in your culture and identity. And that that. You know that that may affect your health, right? Like, you know, maybe being whatever percent Chinese he is, he learns out turns out he's more susceptible to certain illnesses that the Chinese community is more susceptible to, or or whatever that is. It's just so. And, and how would he have known this
1: before that? Right. It's so and also the implications for our kids. Right. You know, who would have known that our son might be Japanese or right. African or. Any of those things. Because so you look at him, and he, I don't think he looks that African. He's not I'll super say. African. He looks, <laughs> no. more, he looks
0: more Corexican. He does. He does. Uh, he does. He looks very, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm so interested in it. I think what we're going to talk about today is talk to somebody who is uh, who works at 23andMe and t- and find out a little bit more about what they are exploring and learning from the thousands and thousands of results they're getting um, so any more surprises from your uh from you and and Gabriel and your and your results that you could share with us?
1: Um, well, yeah, I mean I think the biggest was that well, you know how I feel that I'm mostly Jewish? Yes. Well yes, yeah, obviously that happens We're, in yeah. the North Shore of Chicago. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, I basically feel I am Jewish and it turns out that my Spaniard, African, Native American husband is actually like 1.5% Ashkenazi Jew.
0: What? Welcome to I know. the
1: tribe, Gabriel. <laughs> That's the best. I know. So, you know, we have some work to do. We have some work we to do.
0: We do have some work to do. I mean, on the other hand, my grandmother is 99% Ashkenazi Jew and 1% um, Neanderthal. So if we can find any Neanderthals to get on here, too, to talk about that, it would be great. Um, but I would love to talk to Gabe about uh, his Jewishness and how he's
1: exploring that. Could be Alejo, Alejo going to Jewish school, maybe. Well, maybe, maybe it's the Hala. I I mean, who knows? We'll see.
0: We'll see. Okay. Well, this is something to explore here, and um, yeah, I'm really excited. This is the Mashup Americans, a new podcast about culture and identity. I'm Rebecca Lair, and today my girl Amy Choi and I are looking deep into our genes. Those things that we're told tell us who we are. And we got some surprising results. So we're gonna talk to a population geneticist from 23andMe and get deep into the American genome. Let's do this. Okay, so actually, can you tell me what your full name is? It's, oh yeah, (laughs) because I saw it written, but I didn't think I could pronounce it.
2: Yeah, so my full name is Katarzyna Britz, um, so Katarzyna? It's... Katarzyna. Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: It's it's a mouthful. And it's There's a, a lot of Zs in Polish. Yeah, <laughs> there really are. <laughs> um, but, uh, okay, so... Kasha Britz is a population geneticist at 23andMe. She's particularly interested in human anthropological genetics, which means she's thinking about incredible things like ancient human history and migrations, recent population admixture, aka mashiness, and other unknown forces shaping the human genome. So, Kasha, welcome to the Mashup Americans. Thanks. Thanks. and, And good to be here. And I'm glad that you've already made the
2: connection between admixture and mashiness. Um we definitely love talking about admixture.
0: Yeah, it's funny because I was reading, as I was reading and doing a little research, I kept coming upon the word admixture. And when I Googled it, I was like, oh, is admixture the geneticist term for mashup? So is it?
2: It totally is. So we we use admixture to refer to when two populations that were previously separated mix. So that can refer to anything like Africans and Europeans mixing. It can refer to admixture with Neanderthals. So looking, going back further back in time. So uh, it's a great term. and, uh, And we love talking about all sorts of things related to admixture, like when it happened, who was involved, Things like that.
0: Um, I have a... So we talk a lot about, you know, we think all about identity and culture, which is why we took our 23andMe test and have a million questions for you. And one of the first ones I have, so for those of you who don't know, the test consists of spitting in a test tube and mailing that in. But I have a very important question. Do other people find spitting hard, the spitting part, and is having less spit genetic? (laughs)
2: um I don't know about the genetic uh I do know it's quite a lot of
0: spit to fill up that tube yes. it's,
2: a, it's a small tube but it's a surprising amount of spit yes um
0: so my yes, husband it, t- it has a diff- <laughs> if if we have children he's definitely I hope they get his spitting genes because he's able to produce <laughs> a lot more spit than me.
2: Yeah. So it can be, you know, it can take a while. Um, So, you know, people will try different tricks to try and, you know, generate more spit. Um, Maybe thinking about delicious food would help. I don't know. Um, And so, yeah, I think a lot of times older individuals also have trouble um, just generating Mm. that amount of spit. It's, uh, It's a lot of spit.
0: All right. So spit doctors call in and let us know later what we need to know about producing more spit for these things. (laughs) Um, So we're always digging into who we really are, like ultimately what identity you're becoming or choosing. So how do you as a geneticist think about identity?
2: Yeah, so identity is extremely complicated. Uh, Yeah, 23andMe, we've we've done um, some research uh, looking at how people self-identify versus what genetically their ancestry looks to be. Right. And it's, it's really complicated. <laughs>
0: right, because I saw that, you know, that, that this is how I understood it, that people with 28% or less African genes tend to identify as white or not as African. And I'm wondering, like, what that tipping point is, because 28% seems like a really high number to me, but I, I don't really know
2: yeah, in our paper, we looked at um twenty three me customers who um, have consented to participate in research. And so we could see that people with a majority African ancestry, you know, that they self-identified typically as as um, African American and black. But then if you conversely, people with sort of less than that twenty eight percent African ancestry, they tended to actually self-identify. More people tended to self-identify as European or white, hmm. and I think you know there there's been this long time understanding about um, individuals who carry um, bits of African DNA who then sort of quote unquote pass pass into the white community, hmm. um, and I think that it's probably got a lot to do with um, a lot of factors, including appearance and and how you. How you look, how your pigmentation genes, mm. um, you know, look, what your hair color, your eye color, mm. things like that.
0: Wow. OK. I have so many follow up questions. Um, <laughs> you know. Wh- OK. So one is, are there any genetic makeups that are uniquely American? In the U.S.,
2: people have been living and coexisting for a long time. And what happens when people live together is they uh, they admix. That's the uh, correct term. Right. Polite term. They mash up. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So you can occasionally see, um, you know, these traces of, you know, African ancestry or Native American ancestry in individuals who, you know, identify as European American.
0: Do you, you know for the future? what might we expect to see reflected in us genetics given kind of current immigration patterns so since 2008 asian immigrants have surpassed immigrants from latin america so is there something that we might expect and like how long does it take generally to see that reflected
2: well so i mean i i think a lot of that has to do with um things that are outside my you <laughs> know domain of expertise like um sociological factors right how how much do people from these different groups um, mix and how much do they intermarry and how much do they um mash up. And so, you know, increasingly all of that. a lot. That's why we're here. <laughs> <laughs> so I think certainly you would expect that as as we go forward, um, the the admixture is gonna be Definitely occurring more and more, but that's not to say that it hasn't been happening in the past. I mean, so if you look at Neanderthals, right, so this was this different group and they were quite different, right? Morphologically, they were different. And yet, you know, modern humans still managed to mash up with them on their way out of Africa. And there seems to be this story that every time we we look at some ancient DNA and we sequence it and we say, oh, there's this interesting population oh, it's already mashed up with Hmm. modern humans. Hmm. And so the you know, seems to be the way of humans to sort of uh, admix. And it's a huge force in human history.
0: Speaking of Neanderthals, my 96-year-old grandmother, shout out to Omi, is 99% Ashkenazi Jewish and 1% Neanderthal. And so I read a little bit about this, but can you briefly explain how the Neanderthal piece plays in or where that comes from?
2: Yeah, so the the Neanderthals were sort of a uh, human-like population that lived in Europe, and they they hung out there starting you know four hundred thousand years ago, something like that. Yeah, mm, um, so they they became pretty differentiated genetically, and so the question for a long time was whether Neanderthals um, and and modern humans sort of mixed, admixed, and by looking at what Neanderthal DNA look like, we could see that modern humans seem to carry traces of Neanderthal DNA. And in particular, um, not all modern humans, but those who were outside of Africa. So uh, Mm. Europeans, East Asians, Oceanians seem to carry uh, traces of Neanderthal DNA, and generally speaking, Africans less so. Um, And so so we think that.
0: Lucy was not a Neanderthal. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm saying Neanderthal now, not Neanderthal, because that's how you said it. Um, so what are some of the most surprising things from the study or your most recent work? Something that surprised you? Um, so we know... Okay, so let's do a little bit of
2: background on on your DNA. Okay, so so m- most people think of your, your genome, you know, and in, in fact, you know, the way that you inherit DNA, well, there's all sorts of different bits that we call, you know, your DNA. And so there's, you know, you have 23 pairs of of chromosomes, right? That's what the 23 and 23 and me comes from. And 22 of those, uh, numbered very innovatively, one through 22, are <laughs> you, what's called your your autosomes. Mm. Um, and so those are the ones that you know you get one from mom and you get one from dad, and that's your pair. Um, but then you also have um, your 23rd pair, which is your sex chromosomes. And so if you're if you're a boy, you have uh, one, one Y and one X, and if you're a girl, you have two X chromosomes. And so because of the asymmetrical way that um, the X chromosome is passed down, we can actually compare your ancestry on your X chromosome versus your, your autosomal ancestry to infer, you know, which proportion of your ancestors were male or female from these different populations. Hmm. And so when we looked at... Um, you know, European Americans, African Americans and Latinos, um, we actually saw that there was what's called a sex bias in ancestry contributions. So in general, all of these groups had different levels of um, African, European and Native American ancestry coming in through males and females. And in particular, you see more European male ancestry Mm. and more uh, non-european female so for example uh, you have more african female ancestry yes and so that's sort of been seen before um in 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 populations like uh uh Latinos and a little bit in African Americans that you have in Latinos you have more Native American female more European male again it's who's there right Um, but then also and probably something to do with power dynamics and probably something else (laughs) (laughs) yeah very complex yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. but what's surprising is you see the same in in European Americans which we Hmm. didn't really expect to see so if you if you look at European Americans who carry bits of Native American or African DNA, you see that most of that comes in through um, the female sex bias with more European male hmm. contributions. Um, so that was a little bit surprising.
0: Wow. That's incredible. Um, what What's the most mashy thing? So all, all of it
2: is mashy. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, we certainly were surprised at um, the levels of... Um, European-Americans, you know, people mm. who self-identify as European-American or white who carry non-European ancestry. Um, so so either African or Native American ancestry and just the proportion of individuals. So something like 10 percent of um, people who live in the South are carrying European-Americans are carrying... Um, African ancestry, and that's not something that I think you know. It's been anecdotally seen, but it's not something that had been systematically characterized. The fact that you know everyone is mashy—that's <laughs> amazing. Yeah, and it's not you know it's not huge amounts of African ancestry. A lot of it tends to be in the sort of one to two percent range um, of African ancestry, but still, I mean, that that reflects you know your ancestors, right? If you carry one to two percent, that's something like having an African ancestor, something like 10 generations back. Right. So that's amazing. Yeah, it's I, great.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. We should tell some people um, who are holding political debates that so that they keep us less separate. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I have, you know, so actually my brother Rafi asked, wanted to know, he and my dad have the same selfie face, meaning they make the same face in selfies, and he wants to know if that's genetic. I think we need
2: to study that at 23andMe.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. could probably do some facial recognition software, and I, please get back to us on that. Um, <laughs> what is the most common question geneticists get asked? Oh, wow. Uh,
2: or that you get most asked. most common question. I have 0.1% African ancestry. What does that mean? You know, if someone has 0.1% ancestry, it's not necessarily convincing solid evidence that they truly have that ancestry. It might just be picking up on some, you know, shared common ancestor that, you know, most similarly matches right now to something in Africa, but it's sort of hard to say. Um And so that's sort of the first question. And then the second question is, well, how many generations ago does that translate to? Right. And so there's, you know, there's this rule of thumb. So, you know, each of your parents gave you half your DNA and each of your grandparents, on average, gave you about a quarter. Right. And if you keep going back, you can sort of extrapolate out. But unfortunately... You know, the it's not actually true that you get one quarter, one quarter, one quarter from each grandparent. You can actually be differently related to each grandparent. So it's right, on average yeah. a quarter. Amy, does. a lot Amy of and variation. Her,
0: totally. Amy and her sister, Sandy, did um, their 23andMe test and they had they had totally different results.
2: Yeah. So totally different is uh, well, less common, but not you can totally certainly...
0: different. I mean, they were still some combination of Japanese, <laughs> Chinese, Korean and other Asian. But yeah,
2: <laughs> so you so certainly I was expecting that my brother and I are So different that I thought we would be, you know, zero percent sharing identical DNA. But it turns out that we are just like the average siblings, about 50 percent related. But um, but it's true that you can actually, you know, inherit different bits of DNA than than from your parents, than your than for example your brother did and likewise as you go further back in time you might inherit more or less dna from a particular genealogical ancestor just because it's a random process where the genes get shuffled up and then passed down and so the as a result when we look at a little bit of dna and we ask okay how many generations ago you know might this this you know african ancestor or native american ancestor have um, come in. It could be, you know, it could be as recent as, you know, five generations. It could be as distant as 20 generations. It, it can be very hard to tell. So um, so it's a it's a hard question to answer. But, you know, it's always interesting. And certainly I encourage people to try and dig in to their genealogies and figure out who that might have been.
0: So clearly you've taken your results. Were you surprised by them at all or did it change how you identify culturally or ethnically? Um, so <laughs>
2: I was a little bit surprised, actually. So, you know, I, <laughs> I, so I'm Polish. And, um, and by that, I mean, I'm from the same small town in Poland that my, you know, grandparents and great grandparents are from. And so I was, you know, quite surprised when I had a little bit of Balkan ancestry appear. here. Um, in my, in my DNA. And so I went to my parents and I said, Hey, what's, what's with this? You know, I'm, you know, mostly Eastern European. Um, and then I've got this little tiny bit of Balkan and, um, and my mom's like, Oh, well, didn't you know your great, great grandfather? He wasn't from Poland. And so <laughs> I didn't know that in fact. Yeah. Um, you guys and... forgot to tell me. <laughs> exactly. So I, I love the power of the, you know, getting access to your DNA results. So that's it's both super interesting, but it also can open up conversations that you've ha- ha- you know, haven't had with your parents, with your relatives, um, and you know, and actually get like the history from, from you know, op- open up the discussion, right? Um, and so, yeah, as a result, I went and I talked to my grandfather about this, and yeah,
0: <laughs> that's so awesome. This is so great. Thank you so much for your time. It was really great yeah. to talk to you. Pleasure to be here. Tasha Britz is a population geneticist at 23andMe, and she's a mashup American. The mashup Americans are me, Rebecca Lehrer. And me, Amy Choi. Our show is part of the Infinite Guest Network of awesome podcasts.
1: Like the Dinner Party Download and Secret Skin with Open Mike Eagle.
0: And produced with Southern California
1: Public Radio, KPCC. Our show is also supported in part by an award from the National Endowment for the Arts on the web at arts.gov. See
0: you next time. Adios.